Blind Parent Connection. Supported by the Gibney Foundation and brought to you by the National Federation of the Blind. Welcome to another episode of the Blind Parents Connection. This is Anil Lewis, and I'm here with... David Dino Terrace. All right. Two blind dads uh, helping put together some materials that's going to help blind people recognize that they can be parents and that society recognize that blind people have capacity to be really good parents. This episode is going to be about feeding our kids, a very important topic. We can't uh, raise kids if we don't feed them properly. So this time we're going to talk everything from breastfeeding to bottle feeding to finger foods, all the way to spoon feeding. Anil, we have some amazing interviews with some wonderful moms and dads that will provide some real-life strategies, tips, and techniques to help us, to help our kids to be as healthy and strong and as nourished as possible. That's right. And before we get started, we give our appreciation to the Gibney Foundation, which through their gracious gift helps fund this educational uh, resource for blind parents. And uh, just to set the stage, we really want to make it clear that this is a needed uh, resource. Uh, We've had many stories of how blind parents, blind mothers in the birthing room, deciding to nurse their children, just starting to uh, nurse their children for the first time. One particular that I remember recently, the mother was feeding and the child started turning blue because wasn't getting oxygen. So the social worker who normally, in any other case, would have helped the mother understand what was wrong, how to correct it, and how to do it properly, just assumed, because the mother was blind, that she was incapable of doing it, and then ended up actually putting forth some effort to actually take the baby away from the mother. So we have to make sure that mothers understand that it's possible and that the decision makers and custody decision makers also understand that blind people can do it. We just need the same proper training that every other mother needs in this particular instance. And I think going into this first interview, David, that you interviewed Briley O'Connor around it, she really describes, you know, some really good technique on how to learn to nurse as a blind mother. Let's give that a listen. So I nursed my son from birth through about 16 months. A couple of things. If you are interested, if you're an expected parent and you're interested in nursing or anything like that, the thing that I cannot recommend highly enough is to join your local La Leche League or some sort of breastfeeding support group. Get a list of of IBCLCs, which are certified lactation consultants, and learn as much as you can beforehand. Nursing is not inherently a visual process. Language you'll see about a good latch for a baby to the breast is, is often in visual terms. But actually doing it and being able to assess the f- effectiveness of a latch is not visual. And any good lactation consultant you're going to find will um, work with you in understanding that. Keep in mind that a lot of women have issues nursing. I had a lot of them. Uh, my son had a uh, lip and tongue tie that were not easy to diagnose. And so we had to get those revised. We had some like latch issues and painful nursing and all of that. And if you're proactive, though, you can find people in your community that will be willing to work with you and help. So just educate yourself as much as you can beforehand. And the breastfeeding support person in a hospital that does their typical visit or two, um, you can request to meet them ahead of time before you have the baby, 
prepare as much as you can, which I'm sure we'll get into more about birth, etc. But prepare as much as you can and meet as enough people as you can beforehand. Well, that was really interesting. Thank you, Briley. Next, Jennifer Huckabee-Athay provides some additional details that we believe you'll find useful. Jennifer? I have nursed all three of my children for a total of about four years of nursing. That includes three months of tandem nursing, which means that I was still nursing my first baby when my second baby was born. And so I nursed them together for three months. So there are some challenges that you encounter as a blind parent who is trying to nurse. It can be a visual thing, you know, trying to make sure that the baby has a good latch and stuff. But there are ways to feel, you know, the the baby's lips need to be flanged outward um, around the, the nipple to make sure that the baby has a good latch and good suction and everything so that it's comfortable for you and the baby is transferring milk properly. So, you know, it's easy to feel their lips around the nipple with just your finger and make sure that their their lips are properly positioned. And, you know, you can also hear if their mouth is sort of clicking as they nurse, then their latch isn't good and they're sucking in air instead of just milk. You know, it's not just visual. And, you know, a lot of sighted moms, even in the middle of the night, they won't even turn on a light. It's based solely on being able to hear and feel what they're doing. Again, all wonderful information. Uh, we have some additional information around Pumping, which is a really good addition to the breastfeeding regimen from Ms. Michael Ball. Breastfeeding specifically is a learning curve for anybody. It's not something that just comes naturally to to any mom, uh, whether you're blind or sighted or anything else. And so I think that that's definitely important to remember that that it's, it's hard. It is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, and that's just my experience. Typically, breastfed babies nurse with mom. They nurse at the breast, and then if mom goes to work or if there's some reason that mom needs to be away from the baby. Mom would pump milk and somebody could feed baby in a bottle uh, using that milk. So they have various kinds of pumps. Spectra and Medela and others are out. Uh, So you definitely would need to research the brands that you feel like would would work well for you. But in in general, um, the systems work pretty similarly. There's a, a motor and then there's a tube, and then it attaches to a, you know, a mechanism that sits next to your breast, and you can it suctions the milk out, and it puts it into a bottle or a bag, depending on the system that you have. And so really just learning how to operate that machine is the, the biggest challenge, but it's not difficult. There's only a few buttons. You know, it only has one purpose. It's to, to make milk. It's not like it's got 43 uh, things that it's supposed to do for you. So I didn't find that very difficult. Uh, it does take a little bit of practice to make sure that everything is fitted onto your body correctly because everybody's body is different. So I would really encourage everybody to work with a lactation consultant and make sure that the sizes of the parts, they're called flanges, that's the part that goes onto your breast, um, that that's the right size for you so that it's comfortable. It's not supposed to be painful and um, it's supposed to, you know, be a something that is not, like I said, is not painful and is not difficult. So if it is painful, then you know that maybe the parts aren't quite the right size. And then the other thing with pumping is that once you do have the milk in a bottle or a bag, you have to store it. Uh, There's different rules for how long it can stay in the fridge, in the freezer, in a deep freezer. And I think as a blind person, knowing how much you pumped, uh, you need to be able to have an alternative technique for that. So this is kind of where it comes into working with bottles and measuring and those sorts of things. Bottles are usually done in ounces. So you typically would pump, you know, X amount. Some women pump more and some women pump less. But... Uh, I found that some bottles actually have some tactile 
markings on the outside. Nobody did this for blind people, but it works nicely for us. Some people use a talking kitchen scale to measure out milk or formula, whichever you're feeding in a bottle. And then other people just kind of guesstimate. You can feel usually the milk when you pump it, it comes out warm. And so you can kind of tell, okay, this is one ounce or two ounces, and you can guesstimate. It just depends on how particular you want to be as a parent. And then with freezing it, you want to make sure that it's organized in general. So most people do, uh, you know, oldest milk in the in the front and the newest milk in the back because you want to use the, the older milk first, right, so it doesn't expire. And so just having an organizational system works really nicely. You can use Dymo tape and Braille labels. Uh, you can just make sure that you have, depending on how much you pump, you may have like a bin for this week's milk or this month's milk um, and a bin for this the next month's milk and do it by month because the, the milk usually lasts about six months in the freezer, so you can do it that way. It really just depends on, again, how often you're pumping and whether you are sending your kid to daycare or they're just having the occasional bottle. Now I guess it's finally time to address the elephant in the room. Uh, why are two blind dads talking about breastfeeding? Well, you know, my son's mom, she breastfed, but luckily she also used a breast pump. And that allowed me to start being responsible for feeding my son as well. So she would use the breast pump, store the milk, and then when it was necessary for me to feed him, I would use a bottle to feed him. My wife uh, pumped as well, and that allowed me to help in the middle of the night to be able to get bottles out of the fridge and to put them in in, in a little pot on the stove and warm them up. Uh, some people would use the white microwave, but my wife didn't want that. So we'd warm up uh, the milk, and then I was able to, to help in the middle of the night or the 11 o'clock feeding or the 3 o'clock feeding. And it was a privilege to do that. And those are some wonderful memories that I'm grateful that uh, I, I didn't get a pass on. Now we have Jennifer Huckabee Thay to provide some additional ideas on measuring and formula. Um, well, I didn't bottle feed my first two, but my, my last one I did have to supplement with some formula. And so that was a new experience for me. But with her, uh, I learned to use a funnel in the bottle and measure out the water using a measuring cup. So, you know, you use two ounces of water for every scoop of formula. And so I would just use the quarter cup measuring cup because, you know, a quarter cup is two ounces. And I would pour it in using a funnel to make sure that it all made it into the bottle. And then, you know, I would do however many scoops of, of formula powder I was going to use and then just shake it up and, you know, to, to guide the bottle to the baby's mouth, I would put my finger on the nipple of the bottle and try the baby's mouth with my finger and then let go of the nipple and, and the baby would just take it. David, you did a really good job of pulling out some really good information from some of our um, interviewees. Thank uh, you. Jennifer came out with some really good suggestions. And Stacy Cervanka, as always, has even more ideas around measuring and transporting formula. One of the questions that a lot of blind parents have is how can you measure formula and water in a bottle? Because it's often hard to tell you know, how high the liquid is in the bottle but just by feeling it. And, you know, you want to be exact. You want to know exactly how much your baby is getting. And so one thing that we did is we bought bottles of different sizes. We had bottles that were, you know, two ounces. We had bottles that were four, six, eight, and ten. I think we even had a nine-ounce bottle, too, at one time. And so we would just fill the bottles to this basic – we put in the, the appropriate amount of scoops of formula that it called for, and then yep. we would fill the bottle to the top. So we would know that if the baby drank the whole bottle – 
that they had drunk in two ounces or four ounces. And if the baby had drunk half the bottle, then it was about half that much. And that, that you know, having different size bottles is what really, what really helped us. And then another tip that we have that we did a lot of is because we travel a lot, um, out in the community each day is we would fill bottles with formula, like we would put in the powder before we left the house, and then just put the, the, the bottles with the dry formula in the diaper bag and also carry bottles of water with us so that we didn't have to measure formula when we were on the bus or at the bus stop. We just had to, you know, put in a little water and, and it was good to go. And that's also something we did at night, like before we would go to sleep at night, we would put a bottle with the correct amount of formula on our bedside table. And if the baby would cry, we would just quickly put in the water. Um, so we didn't have to go to the kitchen, measure out the formula. You know, you would just quickly put in the water, go right to the baby's room. As the babies are older, you just kind of hand them the bottle, go back to your room. That's right. So that, I would say, you know, getting used to kind of um, measuring out formula in advance and just having a bottle of water handy makes things a lot more expedient. Now, now that's information that I wish I had when I was still bottle feeding my son. Right. I wish I knew that as well. That would have made traveling and preparing uh, bottles a lot faster and quicker. Mm -hmm. I had a great conversation with Melissa Riccobono, and she makes some really good suggestions on preparing formula. Bottle feeding, again, pretty easy. It's two scoops of formula for eight ounces of water or one scoop for four ounces of water. You can get the bottles that are those sizes. You can also use measuring cups to yep. measure the amount of water. You can also make a large batch at one time. I know someone, um, she happens to be blind. I don't think blindness really had anything to do with it, but she would make a very large quantity of formula in her blender and then she would just have the pitcher in the refrigerator and she could fill up the bottles very easily and not have to mess with actually making the formula every single time. Yeah, that, that's really good information as well. But, you know, you can't bottle feed these kids forever. Eventually you're going to have to move them to eating some solid food. Absolutely. Lisa Maria Martinez shares some really good ideas about solid foods and, and that really important stage. Let's hear from Lisa Maria. The number one tip I have shared with my blind parent friends is it's all a washable offense. That's what I say. It's a washable offense, meaning you're going to get dirty and it's okay <laughs> because you could clean up, especially with, with solid foods. You know, I was just okay with it being a fun, messy event. Um, I have put my kids on my lap and therefore with their like back against my stomach um, to to feed them that way with a spoon just for me to get the, the hang of it with them sitting on my lap so that they're facing the same direction that I am. Uh -huh. um, when I got a little bit more comfortable with just the whole spoon in mouth thing, then I, you know, turned them around and 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 a lot of touching, you know, one hand on their chin and the other hand coming to their mouth. All of my children have been very robust eaters and very quickly would take the spoon from me and try to feed themselves. Very good. <laughs> um, you know, and then there's always, you know, finger foods and uh, all of that good stuff. So I just I, I recommend not worrying about the mess because it's washable, and just get comfortable with what you and your kid can do together. I love her term of it's a washable offense. You know, 
But here's here's some other ideas from Eric Guillory that talks about how to deal with the messy experience of teaching your kids how to eat solid food. When they're learning to eat, we all know they're going to get a bunch of stuff on the floor and, you know, you got to sweep it and all that. And, and that's cool. That's part of the process. Sure. But for me, when I, when I was doing it, I said, hey, we're going to take this. We're going to break it down to the ground, man. So I had a, 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 a towel that I designated for this and that I could just throw into the washer, you know, shake it over, shake it out and throw it in the washer. I had a, an oversized towel that I could put down and then put, uh, put one of our kiddos, you know, on that towel and have, our, have the food there. And I would still do the spoon feeding thing. And, of course, you have to be careful with that. Uh, you want to use diligence and wisdom in how you do it uh, and, and, and be uh, precise because as you have a spoonful of food, you can use your other hand to kind of as a placeholder and, and uh, put kind of your ear very softly, put your, your finger like on the side of their mouth so you know where it's going, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and, and then feed them. But even then, they're going to spit up and they're going to drop things. And that's, again, part of the process. But for me as a blind, as a blind person, it was a lot easier. I could contain things a lot more easily if we were already on the floor on a surface that I could kind of just, when we were done feeding or done eating, I could just jump up, get them settled elsewhere, and I could fold things up and, and wrap it up and, and, and keep things in good order. Because if I did it with them in the high chair, it would just be a horrific mess all over the place. Really enjoyed Eric's uh, thoughts and, and comments on uh, how uh, a dad handles some of these situations. Yeah, dads. All right. Now we move into uh, Briley. And Briley provides some awesome non-visual techniques on spood feeding. One of the techniques you can use initially when you're learning how to do it is to take your pointer finger on your non-dominant hand. Place it at the corner of the baby's mouth and then aim the spoon for that area. You know, you might make a mess the first few times. Guess what? Baby's eating is messy. Baby's eating is messy for everybody. Yep. Yep. So don't, like, so many blind people, I think, have this idea that I'm not doing this right, quote, unquote, because I cannot see. And if you talk to any parents, any first-time parents, all of these things are issues for them, too. Eventually, they learn that the good stuff is on the spoon, and you hold it near them, and they go for it, like baby birds. They head for that. Yeah, I, I agree with her sentiment there. Eventually, the kids do find out that the good stuff is on the spoon. Being able to help them find that, and then it helps them to be independent, and yeah. that's really what it's all about. It makes your job easy. They're just on autopilot. You just take the spoon and hover it somewhere in their proximity, and they're, oh. they're going to get it. They're going to get it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I like uh, this next clip we're going to play from Terry Rupp because it talks about you know, this whole experience, not just in the context of blindness, but how a lot of it is really just non-visual. It's about hands and voices. Guiding, you know, using your hand to feel where the baby's mouth or feel where your child's mouth is and helping it get in there. And also verbal communication, telling your kids, open your mouth, say, ah, keep it interactive. And um, it also helped that I had a dog who cleaned up everything that went on the floor. (laughs) Um, And then it helps to keep your children more independent because then they, they start to want to feed themselves and they, you know, works on fine motor skills with picking up Cheerios and strawberries and all those finger foods. 
So I really think that being a blind parent has helped my kids learn to be more independent and more um, vocal, having great verbal communication skills. I, I have to say that. I, mean, I wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment. I, I think that my son Amari did because of the tools that I had to use to teach him, you know, not only just feeding, just life overall, did acquire a greater degree of independence much earlier than he would have if I was not a blind parent. Absolutely, Anil. I completely agree. I, I have three kids. Uh, David is 20 and Mary-Kate is 18 and Emily is 15. And they're all so verbal and they all provide amazing examples and descriptions. And I'm pretty confident that's because uh, they've been providing that information to me is ever since they can talk. So maybe you're thinking, well, I'm not sure if spoon feeding is the way. Uh, I know that some people also would use uh, bottles that were for for more uh, food that was a little more solid. And then Stacy Cervanka provides some other strategies if uh, spoon feeding isn't your thing. As far as solid foods, we did, especially with Leo, we did spoon feed him some baby cereal and, and small, you know, kind of baby food jars. But what we found worked the best with both kids was, number one, using baby food pouches because those, you know, your kid, A, can feed themselves. They're kind of little pouches that your kid can squeeze. And they're a lot less mess than spoon feeding with a, with a spoon. And we also did a lot of just finger foods, like little cut-up pieces of fruit, cut-up pieces of vegetables, uh, cut-up pieces of meat or cheese or hard-boiled egg. And that way the baby could feed themselves independently, which we felt was good because then the baby, you know, our, our, our thought is why is it important that we spoon feed the baby? It's actually more important that the baby learn to feed him or herself. So our kids ate a lot of finger foods, and then as they grew old enough, you know, when they were like two-ish or whatever, and they were old enough to start, we, we began teaching them how to use a spoon. And they also, by that time, they had seen us all using spoons, and they understood how to do it. You know, it, it's messy at first, but I mean, they had an idea of what a spoon was, like they had seen mommy and daddy and, and Leo use a spoon. So she knows what it's for and, and kind of how to use it. So we, with Josephine, we did almost no spoon feeding. We, we really just went right to finger foods, just because I mean, we, we just kind of felt like, why is it important that we spoon feed her right now? Like, it's probably better that she just feed herself. I think this has been a really good podcast, chunk full of information around feeding. And I think that any blind parent listening to it is going to be able to, to take care of the challenge of, of feeding their child. Uh, but I think this next clip really sums it up really well because it brings into focus all of the different strategies that we've talked about in simple terms. But it really builds on the real core of what we as blind parents uses our central motivating factor to be good parents, and that's just love. So I think you'll hear that in this particular clip. Really, the way that I had to overcome it was just by practice and trial and error. Um, you know, I, I was her mother, and I had no choice. I had to learn, and I had to figure out ways that would work. Um, you know, she needed to be cared for, and it was my job to do that, and I was going to figure out ways. And we made some messes. <laughs> right. um, it was it was not the you know the cleanest or the smoothest at times, but I just worked at it and and realized you know fairly quickly that I could do all of that. Uh, feeding just worked with her on how to hold the spoon and would feel her hands to know she was doing it correctly and. You know, I helped, and if we spilled, you know, okay, well, that's what napkins and Clorox wipes are for. And we just 
clean up and keep going. That was really a great perspective by Ashley Wayne. Really grateful for that. And this program today has been about feeding and nourishment. And I know that uh, I have been nourished by so many people in the National Federation of the Blind. Uh, The blind parents who have shared their ideas and their strategies and their worries and their fears and their doubts and their successes. Connect with us. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NFB underscore voice. And follow us on Facebook by searching for National Federation of the Blind. This has been the Blind Parents Connection, supported by the Gibney Foundation and brought to you by the National Federation of the Blind.